Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Welcome to the Outstanding Life Podcast. Now, you know that I bring some really cool friends, some people that I meet on the road. Well, today is no different. We have Tim Tanashella. Tim, I think I said that right that time, huh? You did. Absolutely. Uh, now, Tim, tell everybody what you do for a living. I'm a street photographer in Detroit, Michigan. Now, that's incredible. Now, now some people will say, well, that's pretty cool. You're a street photographer. But there's a little twist about you. Tell everybody the twist in your life. Well, the question I'm asked the most often is how I can be a street photographer and be legally blind. Now, wait a second. Did you just say that you are legally blind and you take photos? I did. I've been visually impaired since birth. And uh, I have quite a history with cameras. <laughs> now, 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 what drew you to taking pictures? Well, early on in my life, my cousin married Joe Mancinelli. And Joe was the photographer for the Detroit Fire Department. Oh, cool. So as a youngster, I was always getting showed his picture in the paper and this and that. <laughs> and I thought it was really cool. And... I always liked photography. When I got a little bit older, I always owned a camera. But the thing that really pushed me over to the edge with photography was there was a Look magazine. Uh, I must have been in my early teens when I saw it. And there was another guy that was visually impaired, and he did a photo layout for Look magazine, and he photographed the inner workings of a pocket watch. Really? And he made something that I couldn't see visible to me. I could see all the gears and I could see everything and how intricate it was and how fragile. And he did a great job of capturing the, 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 the insides of this watch. And I started doing some of that. And back in the day of film, it was really difficult. Um, you know, it, take a photo kind of forget the feeling that went with it um you know it's funny growing up visually impaired people would see things and you didn't want to feel different they'd say oh look at that that's really cool and i'd have to go yeah <laughs> you know that's really cool i couldn't see what they were talking about but it was really cool so it was something that, that you were born with then yeah it was okay. a congenital birth defect and so when digital photography came of age, it was perfect. I could take a photo. I could run it home. I could put it on my computer and blow it up and look at it. And that's really when, when I started photographing all the time a lot of different things. And I never had a very good camera. Um, it wasn't until probably about 2010. Um, I'd been diagnosed with cancer. I quit my job. I got a great bonus and I went and bought a new camera. That was the first thing I did with my money. And I ended up moving back to Detroit from California where I'd been for 20 years. Okay. 
So you grew up in Detroit then? Yeah, I grew up I grew up down around Plymouth Road and Myers. Okay. And uh, you know, that's where I spent my formative years and then I got sent off to Michigan School for the Blind. And that wasn't a great match. I ended up getting thrown out of there pretty quick. <laughs> and uh Nobody was thinking back up. So you got th- got thrown out of school. Yeah, you know what, I, Tim? I have to ask, and I know all the listeners are listening right now, going, "What did you do, or what uh, did you do?" Huh? <laughs> uh, I got in another fight. Okay. <laughs> I say that another because you know I had been warned, and you know I I had it coming. So, um, and, and I was headed downhill. You know, I mean, uh. I was drinking a lot and doing some drugs and uh, I was just kind of starting my path down that part of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up leaving there and I ended up in some trouble, go figure. <laughs> and I ended up in a juvenile correctional facility for about a year. Okay. And uh, Did that straighten you up? No. <laughs> that... That took. Uh, I'm laughing with you, Tim. Years. It took oh, 11 years, it. right? Yeah, I was 28 years old when I got clean and sober, and uh, you know, that really changed my life. Right. Um, I went from that guy that you go, oh, that guy's never going to amount to anything. I remember taking out a life insurance policy, and it got paid off when I was 42. Everybody asked why I did that because I'd never make it to 42, they didn't think. <laughs> so, you know, my, my life changed. I ended up uh, in 1980, I moved to California uh, when everything was, was going to hell here. And mm-hmm. um, I got sober in 85. And, Good for you. Uh, Congratulations. You know, some incredible things happened. I went, I went back to school. I got a degree in hospitality management. I became a Mason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just did a lot of really cool things I never thought would happen in my life. Yeah. And uh, I got diagnosed with cancer. And it was brutal. I mean, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma and I was diagnosed at 3B and. And my sister, after I got done with all the chemo and got everything wrapped up, she said, you know, you've been running around your whole life. She goes, if the cancer doesn't kill you, I'm going to if you don't move back to Detroit. <laughs> so I decided, yeah, I'm going to come back. And uh, I helped wrap up my affairs at the hotel. I ended up becoming the general manager of a little hotel in Truckee, California, the Truckee Hotel. And I brought my significant other back with me. And we basically started like a new life here. That's awesome. And, and uh, one thing you started with was a new camera. The new camera. Yep. And I ended up down at Cass Park. Um, I forget which electrical union it is that, that goes down there and they feed everybody in Cass Park. And I went down there, and I ran into a guy named Bruce Giffen. Bruce is a, a street photographer in Detroit and and a really good guy. Um, 
and I ended up shooting with with uh, Bruce for about three years. He loaned me some different equipment and some different lenses and gave me a lot of encouragement. Uh, definitely one of the people that helped get me where I'm going today. And Kim and I started going down on a fairly regular basis down to Cass Park, and and uh, they called me the Pudding Man. Wait, why do they call you the Pudding Man? Well, one day I was at, at a, a junk store of some sort, and I bought this really big double boiler. And I ended up finding a recipe for rice pudding. And I could bring it with me, make a batch in advance, and then bring it down. And uh, hence, I became the pudding man because I always went with rice pudding. You know, there was great food there. There was, you know, meat, and they always made sure there was protein and beans and pasta. But there was hardly ever desserts there that were healthy. And uh, I looked around for a recipe that I could make in that big double boiler and that became our Sundays for, for a while. That's awesome. And I had a great time doing it. Met a lot of cool people down there. And uh, why did the, why did the, or why does the street still inspire you to still get in the car and go down there? I mean, I've seen you take pictures of the homeless. I've seen pictures of you um, taking pictures of street musicians, rundown buildings. I mean, I've seen you in rundown buildings. I've seen you take pictures of all of this stuff that happens on the street that some of us normally wouldn't pay attention to. But you, you pay attention to it. You pay attention to all those little things. What inspires you to take pictures on the street? You know, we all start from someplace. Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of us forget where that place was. You know, and I always felt comfortable on the street. I was more comfortable there than I was in a lot of other settings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in was tough. It was really tough. Out of 23 people that we could sit down and put the names together of in the neighborhood, I wasn't best friends with all of them. Some of them were acquaintances. Some of them were really good friends. Out of 23, 17 died or went to prison for long term. Wow. And it had a huge impact. Um, I remember a therapist asking me, what was the most impactful thing in your life? I said, growing up in Detroit. And uh, so it did. And, you know, everybody was so poor there that it wasn't about what kind of jeans you had and what kind of tennis shoes and a lot of things that happen in life. Um, We laughed a lot. Uh, One time my, my younger son asked me, he goes, old man, if... You could go back and spend a day. How would you spend it? I'd go, I'd get up in the morning and Pops would be there, my father. Uh-huh. And I'd spend the day with him and I'd go back to the old neighborhood. And hang out on the corner. And I really mean that. Yeah. 
my friends there didn't judge me. You know, um, it was different. My nicknames down there were Blind Baby. (laughs) And it was said with about that laugh. And all my black friends called me Casper. Because I'm real fair. And uh, nobody made a big deal out of a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And uh, the streets made you who you are today. Yeah. And I have a great life today. And having, I mean, there's a real big leap from the streets down in my old neighborhood to being the general manager of a hotel. Yeah. Um, you probably felt like you made it. Like, hey, I'm the general manager of a hotel. I mean, who would have ever thought that you would have been like, no, right? I mean, from 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 going to the to the to the streets of Detroit to to running a hotel. I mean, that's that's a big deal. It doesn't matter. It may not be a big deal for some people, but but probably to you, it was probably a pretty big deal. I think the one that surprised most was my sister. She looked at me and she goes, "Oh my God, Mister Hospitality," <laughs> you know, and. Uh, <laughs> There was some uh, humor and some sarcasm in her tone. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And uh, I would probably still be at the hotel today if I hadn't gotten cancer. And um, Congratulations on beating it, too. Yeah, you know, that's another chapter of life. I came back, and in 2017, I was diagnosed with follicular cancer the second time. And it's an incurable form of cancer. And they told me I'll probably get it a couple times. It has the ability to transform. And if it transforms, it's real bad. It transforms to large diffused B cell. A real nasty cancer. There's about a 40% chance that that could happen. So so as of now, though, it's gone, right? You're in re- it, remission? It's dormant. Okay, okay. Remission, a lot of people associate with cured. The follicular, since it's incurable, lies dormant and it flares up. If you're lucky, that's all that happens. It's Mm -hmm. about 40% of the time it transforms. And, you know, even that, that's given me a better reason to live well. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a Buddhist teaching that says, why must we live well so that we might die well? Oh, wow. And uh, Tim, say that again. That's important, what you just said. Why must we live well so that we might die well? And, and I try to live by that, you know? Um, yeah. I uh, don't know. I could outlive the cancer until I'm old age Mm -hmm. and maybe only get a case or two of follicular and go get some chemo and be fine. Or I could wake up in a month and have large diffuse B cell and, uh, not be here. (laughs) Tim, it, what is it that, that keeps you motivated every single day? I mean, you were just out yesterday taking pictures in, you know, at Belle Isle. And those of you that are, that are listening around the country and around the world, I mean, Belle Isle is literally an island right off Detroit. And it's it's actually in between Detroit and Canada. And it is a beautiful, beautiful island. Uh, 
you were there just yesterday. Do you wake up every single day? Is that is that what like what inspires you to go take pictures every day? And those of you that can't see Tim right now, he has a big smile on his face. I mean, this is incredible. You know, I love being in the street and I love sharing Detroit. And what really excites me on my Facebook page, I'll post a photo. And I remember when I posted the Grandy Ballroom, a photo of it, um, the comments and people talking back and forth about their experience there. Yeah. And I couldn't see them, but I know they had smiles on their face. <laughs> right, right. Some of the people gave up that, you know, they were getting high back then and <laughs> what they did. And, uh, you know, I, I've just, the people I've met in, in the art community, um, I've had great time. Let me ask you this. You know, you taking pictures on the streets and stuff, you obviously have some some gear with you, right? Like, what do you carry? Or is it just the camera? All I carry is my camera. Okay. And you do have to have somebody with you because you are legally blind, right? Like, you, no. obviously, you can't drive down there. No, I don't drive. Um, yesterday, my buddy Mike came, and he got me. I kind of uh, set him up. Okay. He would come over, and we've known each other a few years, and he'd, he'd go, I need something to do. I'm retired. <laughs> i go, buy a camera. <laughs> so he went and bought a camera and bought a lens and started shooting with me. He's doing a damn good job. That's awesome. And uh, So you're inspiring. Around. Are you ever nervous? I'm, I mean, I'm looking at some of the pictures just right here in your house, in your gallery, and I, I mean, I got to be honest with you, Tim, I can see and I'd be scared to walk in that building. I, I, I'd i be nervous about walking in some of the places that you end up. Is everything planned? And do you ever get nervous? No. A lot of times, you know, I was shooting with Danny. We'd get in the car, we'd drive downtown or I'd meet him. You know, my, my significant other works for um, Title Source. Uh which was formerly Amrock. She's in the first national building. So a lot of days I would just go into work with her, walk around downtown for eight hours until she got off work <laughs> and shoot as much as I could and have a good time. And yeah. I got to know some of the people on the street and it was, it was what I did. And then I met Danny and uh, people call and say, Hey, you want to go shoot? And I go, yeah. Um, and Kim and I go out once in a while. I think I think one of the most unusual places that her and I shot together was uh, in Dehoko, Detroit House of Corrections, which has been torn down. I love going back on your Facebook page. There was about, I don't know, 12, 14 pictures there. And I got to be honest with you, that was... That was some really cool stuff. And I, and, and I remember calling you saying, is that place still there? And they're like, no, Johnny, they tore it down. What was it like for you? And I want you to tell the story about that because you one, you and your, your, your wife went down there to take pictures. Um, but you end up giving one of those pictures that you took of cell block A to your cousin. I want you to tell everybody uh, <laughs> about that story. <laughs> my, my cousin has this uh, gathering every summer. And uh, he had mentioned that he had visited Dehoko 
uh, years ago to visited, or he was actually in prison. He he was actually in there. Okay. <laughs> so he was visiting for six months. <laughs> after I had photographed out there, I uh, had one of the prints made, a sixteen by twenty, and delivered it to him, and said, "You remember these days?" <laughs> And he was a youngster then. It was something, you know, drunk driving or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he thought it was quite hilarious. And uh, <laughs> I think it's still hanging in his house. That's awesome. And uh, I was amazed when it, when I posted that series of photos, how many guys actually responded <laughs> that... Yeah, I hung out there for a while, and uh, yeah, I visited there and and different things. Yeah, yeah. So um, even that, you know, I I like the feedback. Yeah. I hear somebody say, even at Dehoko, man, I hung out there, and apparently they're out, and they're okay enough to be on Facebook, so, you know, life's happening. Have you ever been somewhere with your your wife, and um, maybe she was uncomfortable? Because maybe like, you you know, because sometimes you're in big old factories and stuff like that. I mean, have you ever like, and I'm being funny when I say this, Tim, but have you ever like lost her or something like that? Actually, <laughs> she doesn't go to a lot of the like, I did fish her body. I've done done a lot of the plants that are closed. We did go to Dehoko uh, to together and we did get separated you know, it's easy. For well, me. you got separated in the, in the prison in the correctional facility. Yeah, yeah. She was, Tim, uh, Tim, she's not here right now. Did you mean to lose her? No, you know, I, <laughs> I just space out when I shoot. You know, and I'm like, and I think she was enthralled by it. And we were there and looking around and and just ended up getting separated. You know, and. And she didn't want to yell for me. She thought she heard some voices. <laughs> she goes, man, when she found me, she was pretty upset. You know, she goes, don't you ever do that again. I go, I didn't do anything. I was just walking around. I thought you were behind me, you know, and, and what are you going to say? But uh, after about an hour, she got over it. And we, we laugh about it today about that was probably, uh, one of the more uncomfortable moments in my photography journey. Speaking of being uncomfortable, I've been on a photo shoot of somebody taking pictures of me and we've ended up in, <coughs> you know, some places that we shouldn't have been. Okay. Uh-huh. And there were people living in those places. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, now you're trespassing on their property, even though they're trespassing. Now it's right. their house. And um, I, you know, I was always respectful, asked permission and if I had something with me, I would give them a little something. You know, have you ever been in in a uncomfortable situation? I mean, I, I know people are dying. They're, with your work, you've had to have some uncomfortable situations throughout you the know, years. You'll be going through uh, Fisher Body Twenty One, and you know it will be quiet in there. Maybe I'm shooting with one other person, and we're walking through, and all of a sudden. Somebody pops up out of no place, you know. Uh, I've definitely been startled. Yeah, yeah. But afraid, no. Um, Usually, hey, what's up? And we've run into other photographers, and we've run into some homeless people. Um, You know, I I smoke, so I always carry an extra couple packs of smokes with me. 
I was oh, so that's your dollar bills. Yeah, uh, you know, and and I'll ask them, hey, where's another good place to shoot? You know, yeah, and, and um, I I think I did a uh, Hidden Treasures of Finkel Avenue. Okay, great great little gallery down there that opened and um donna jackson put it together and and uh that that's probably the most uncomfortable i've been i I took a little bit of flack and you know you have to stay pretty aware you're walking around with a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment with you and you're right you end up in some places that are a little bit tougher but i've never had anybody bother me I've had some people yell out the window at me or something like yeah. that. Some kids, but um, for the most part, ninety-nine percent of the time, I have a great time out shooting, and I've, I've met some real characters. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard some tragic stories. Yeah, you know, a lot of the guys I meet, they blame everybody else. There's an excuse. Blah 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 blah. And I remember one guy. And I had a lot of compassion for him. And I asked him, you know, he hit me up for a smoke. I asked if I could photograph him. He said, sure. And we got talking. And I said, man, how did a guy like you end up on the street? He says, now, a lot of guys, I've asked a lot of guys that question. Yeah. And a lot of them, I said, that sounds like bull. But this guy, I really believed him in my heart of hearts. Yeah. You know, he, he said, I was, uh, I, I think he was working for Chrysler and he got laid off. His uh, wife asked him for a divorce. He ended up uh, moving out of the house so that her and the kids could be there. He moved into his car, money was tight. Uh, his car got towed, you know, which is real feasible. Right. And his ID was in it. He says, man, I didn't even, like, how do you start over with absolutely nothing on the street? And, uh, you know, he said, I just ended up. And I said, you know, and how long? Huh? You know, I think he said like a couple of years he's been on the street and uh, I I think that we can become comfortable with anything and unfortunately I think he became comfortable in what he was doing. I met homeless guys that probably wonder how I put up with my life. You know, the responsibilities and everything. Um, who am I to judge why somebody stays or whether they have the ability, I don't know, yeah. to get out of it. I know that, that there are some people that have some mental health issues on the street that shouldn't be there, in my opinion. There should be someplace a lot better than the street for them. Right. Uh, you know, and... All kinds of people. Uh, Some tragic. uh, A lot of addicts, unfortunately. 
Um, Have you ever been inspired by shooting on the street and hearing some of these stories or realizing that how lucky you are and that you overcame so much to get to where you are today? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'll go out sometimes and I'll be honest, I've done it enough that I don't always come home tore back like in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'll come home and I can write a pretty extensive gratitude list at that point, yeah. always. And I forget that, you know, I, I take my life for granted today. I think we all do, Tim. And uh, yeah, I, I have a good life. I, you know, I, I'm with somebody I enjoy being with. I have have three kids and uh, they're all in California. Yeah. And um, they're all doing good enough. And I have some grandkids that I wish I got to see more. Mm-hmm. I usually try to get a trip or two to California and every year. And, you know, outside of my health issues, I don't have any problems. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of cool friends, too. That I do. I have friends all over the country. Yep. Either people I met in the program, people from traveling or relocating a few times. And I keep in touch with them. I'm, You know, I think one of the cool things in my life is I have a couple of friends from first grade. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, I'm going to be 65 years old. So that's, really? That's you a little look great. Wild. And uh, when I came back, I didn't know where where I was going to live, whether I'd move to Detroit. I actually looked at a condo downtown in Corktown. I looked out here in Plymouth and blah, blah, blah. And one of my friends from first grade only lives about a mile and a half from me. <laughs> that's cool. We see each other all the time. I, I have a friend over in Essex and from when I lived in Canada when I was a real little kid. And uh, I'm still in touch with a lot of those people. Well, you're definitely an inspiration to to so many. And, and I, I, I have to ask this question with, I mean, just again, looking at a, you know around your house, your studio, do you have a favorite piece? Or, okay, let me ask you this, because that I, I get it. I've asked that question b- before to other artists. Do you have a favorite piece right now? <laughs> because w- I, I know, you know, when you've been doing it as long as you have, do you have a favorite piece that, that you go back and you're like, wow, man, I took that shot? Well, for one, I haven't been doing art photography that long. Actually, it's been about five years since I met Bruce. Mm-hmm. And I put my first piece in a show at the Scarab Club. And the art photography has developed over that five years. This coming October, I'm going to do a show in Plymouth. It's called Detroit Metal. I love that Most name. of the pieces will be printed on metal. And I'm looking at a couple of them right now, and they are super sweet. They, they certainly do pop. And uh, October 9th is going to be the official opening. We'll probably get hung around October 1st. And it's going to include some people that, that, that I just love. You know, they've uh, Joe Hostler, uh, Charlene Welton, and I 
in the very, very beginning, we were, I think it was the, the, the name of the coffee shop was the Biddle Bean. Okay. Down in Wyandotte. Yeah. Yeah. And we all. Yeah. Right on Jefferson street. Yeah. Yeah. I used to go there all the time. We all met there that day and we were all fairly new at the art part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Charlene's a, was an art teacher and Joe, Joe is an emerging artist and we were all emerging and we've all stayed friends. Um, a few years into what I was doing, I had a piece at the Atomic Cafe and a few people had asked me if they could paint a truck that I photographed in California. And 17 artists ended up painting the same truck and we made a show of it. And they later became the interpretation shows and there were photographers that were added and we did about seven or eight shows. Um, curating, I met tons of people. And I co-curated them with a guy named Jim Ahu. And Jim took one of the first interpretation shows that was titled Growing Old on the Streets. It was 27 of my black and white photos uh, of Detroit and what it was like to grow old on the street. Yeah, yeah. And I think there were 35 participating artists that painted them. There was some sculpture. Um, it went to a few different venues. And, it, you know, each, each thing I did, and, and it just motivated me to do more. That yeah. was the one that really pushed me over the top. And uh, it's still on YouTube. Awesome. And, and just uh, real quick, how can people find you? On Facebook and everything else, is it just your name? Is it Tim and then T O N A C H E L L A? Yep. Okay, that's, that's it. A, and it, it is, and it's called, and it's Tim Tanashella. Yep. Yes, I did it right twice. You did a great job. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this: What advice could you give somebody that's out there? And I'm going to wrap this this because we're going to do two two episodes here. Right. I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up with this. What advice could you give somebody that wants to get into? Maybe they're they're listening right now, and they're like, you know what? I have some time on my hands. I've always wanted to take photos. I've always wanted to take pictures. I've always I've always wanted to do it, but they're scared. What advice could you give them? Because you were one of those guys at one time. That's right. You know, I tell people the same thing about cameras. I tell them about computers. You can't really break them. <laughs> you know, you go out, um, you can take so, some classes. Uh, I took a, took one of Monty Nagler's classes. Um, you know, Bruce was a tremendous help in the beginning. So find a mentor. Yeah, and he was a great mentor. And, you know, you can photograph any place. That's right. Um I've taken photos of my patio. Everybody thinks I, you know, I should be downtown, but I'm not always. And uh, I do mainly street photography. I, I may have to hang out with you one of these days. Camera, you know, and, yeah. and do it. Yeah. You know, you can sit and think about it or, or you can just do it. Do it, just do it. Today, the cameras are, are easier to use. Um, And, you know, it was all step ups. You know, yep. I started... 
with the camera I got at the hotel and then I got a little bit better and then I got Photoshop and then I got a nice Canon camera. And Do you nickname them? Huh? Do you nickname your cameras? No. <laughs> I, uh, I always worry about dropping them off of a building. I, I shoot a lot on, from parking lots. Now, and, now, uh, now, just real quick. I mean, I, I, again, and we're, we're going to wrap it up here, but you're legally blind, young man. How in the, I mean, do you literally, you're like, oh, I'm at the edge of a building. Hey, I'm in the middle of a, of a plant that's no longer here from 40, you know, uh, 40 years ago. I mean, it, it, it's like, I mean, do you ever get nervous or do you ever, the people with you get nervous? Like, hey, no. Tim, do not go over there. You're like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, some of the people that, that hang out with me for a while can put together, oh, I, I think that I miss understand what legally blind is Mm -hmm. you know it's a level of visual acuity that you've been assigned to that says that you're disabled and they use it you know obviously i can't drive and you might not notice it unless we went to dinner and i had to look at the menu um walking down the street i can't read the street sign until i'm directly underneath it right but I can see the sign and I lose a lot of definition. Okay. So a lot of times I'll carry a little monocular with me and I'll scan the area and look around (laughs) and go, Oh wow, that's really cool. I shoot with bigger lenses than most photographers. Right. And uh, just found a way to make it work, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. And I encourage, Hey Tim, will you, will you come back for another episode? I'd love to. Okay, perfect. Because I think that this would be a great time to break so we can both get some uh, more Detroit Bold coffee. All right. Real good. Hey, everybody. I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, and you are listening to Tim Tanashella. And he is a street photographer. And and I tell you what, if you thought episode one was awesome, episode two is going to be absolutely outstanding. I encourage all of you to check out MotivationalCowboy.com. Check out all of the Outstanding Life podcasts on all major platforms. Again, this is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, telling you, be safe, have fun, and have yourself an outstanding day. Yeah.